0: to God this morning, sing both songs, highlight our praise in the form of a hallelujah. And hallelujah simply means to give praise unto God. And praising, if you don't know, which we should all know, (laughs) means that you're giving warm adoration unto someone or something. And so the word hallelujah just means we're giving our praise to him. And that is that warm adoration. And that's the atmosphere that we are trying to set here this morning. So for just a couple of moments, if you would, in your own sound, your own song, just kind of lift a warm sound of praise to God. I'm going to be singing. We praise you, God. You can sing that if you like we praise you god
1: Let there be light And it was Oh, In that same breath The stars fell in line With one voice
2: who's mature in God, give praise. It just says, let everything that has breath praise His name. We're going to just sing that last little bit again. Come on. Let, let. We got to praise His name this morning. We get to praise His name. We get to praise the name of Jesus because He's alive and living. And we don't praise a philosophy. We don't praise an ideology. We're not in here for politics or political game, we are in here for one person. His name is Jesus. May we live and breathe his praise. That was your cry today. Come on. What your kingdom calls a treasure, this world calls a curse. Daddy, teach us daily to die to ourselves. Teach us daily to see your kingdom, to know your king, to love your kingdom's values, your kingdom word, your will, your word, your ways in our life. Your kingdom is not complex, it's not hard, it's not too difficult. Your kingdom was sealed by the blood of Jesus. Your riches are poured out through him. The power of the Holy Spirit has been released in his church. Let us praise you, God, with everything we've got. Today, Daddy, come and be praised. Come and be praised. Come and be praised. Come and be magnified in our thoughts, in our intentions of our heart, Lord God, with our voices with our minds, with our mouths, Daddy. May your name be praised and glorified Jesus over cancer, over disease, over unemployment, over lack, over depression, over addiction. Let your name be praised. Devil, you're a liar. Jesus is the King. He has all power, all glory is His. There's not one weapon formed against the people of God that shall prosper because of Jesus. So we shout unto God with a voice of triumph. My friend, you may be going through something. You may, may be in the midst of the storm. He may not have spoken to your wind and your wave yet. You may be rowing like your life is depending on it. But my king is walking on the water. My king is on his way. My, his word will speak to the storm. There's no storm more powerful than Jesus. There's not one thing the doctor's report can say that is greater than what my Creator can say. Your mortgage company, come on, didn't pay for your salvation. The blood of Jesus did. And if my God can cover my hell, and He can cover my sin, and He can cover my shame, and He can cover my wrath, and He can cover my guilt, come on, He can cover my lack. Because my God is able, Jesus, our God is able, our God is able, our God is able. Stir that up inside of me. Today, that needs to be stirred up today. Our God is able. So, Daddy, we proclaim that truth. We come into agreement with it this morning. It is not our power, our worthiness, our righteousness, or our goodness. It is only you. We trust you. Your word says it. That settles it. So we wait for it to come. And we're going to praise you in advance until the answer gets here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise. There's some answers on the way. Hallelujah. I believe in your miracles today. Woo. Your kingdom is simple. How much have we complicated the gospel? You know, I've said it a million times in church, but there was that old bumper sticker. I don't even know, do they still have bumper stickers today? I don't know. I don't know. But it used to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's a lie. Because that that means you have the power. God says it. That settles it. Whether we believe it or not, whether we put it into our life, whether we respond to it, that makes the difference. God's Word is true, regardless of whether our opinion agrees with it. My God is able, even if I'm still standing in the middle of a storm, and the storm is saying, He's not. Because I love the story of when Jesus, the the disciples the Bible say, are in the boat, right? And there's a storm, and they are freaking out, and Jesus is asleep. Can I just say, you may be going through a storm and Jesus may be sleeping. Come on, but he's going to wake up soon. He's going to wake up. He, look, he, has a, he didn't jump out of the boat. He didn't say, hey, I'm just sorry, guys. You got to figure this out on your own. You better start rowing. When he got stirred, everything changed. Faith stirs God. Faith stirs God. Faith stirs God. Faith stirs God. Faith is simply believing God's Word, trusting Him to do it, not us, and getting on with it. And getting on with it. Man, I believe God is ready to do some stuff in you, in us, in us as a church. I'm So glad you're here this morning. Can you give each other a hand just for showing up today? Thank you for being here. If you're a guest today, it's great to have you. If you're online and you're a guest today, it's great to have you online as well. We hope you can come and be a part of community here make this part of your life as well church i believe that god is ready to do something today in this place not because we just came prepared but because your spirit your worship stirs god when we worship his his spirit is present and so i just want to can you just take a moment as you're being seated greet somebody next to you tell them say hi walk across the aisle for a minute give them a fist pump You know, before service, Pastor John, who's our worship pastor, came to me and he said, I think I have something for the, a word for the church today. So would it be okay if I just brought that? And that's part of what God does. As we worship, he stirs things. And so I'm just going to ask Pastor John to come and bring a little bit about what's on his heart and what he believes God is saying to church, his body here. So give it up for Pastor John. He's awesome.
3: Good morning, church. Um, my wife and I had a friend over for dinner on Friday night, and God was talking to me about something that he's been talking to me about for a little bit now, and he was talking to me about the concept of community. And um, I don't know about you, but my community has changed during the pandemic. <laughs> yep. I think for so many of us, our community has changed dramatically, whether it is you've lost people to COVID. We've, we've had... If you look around this room, I know people that have moved across the country yes, that used yep. to be part of our church community. Yeah. Our school communities have changed. Our work communities have changed. You may not even be in person in a work community yeah. anymore. Yep. Community has changed so much, and I think what happens sometimes when there's community changes, we see the gaps. Mm-hmm. And we focus on the gaps, and we recognize the gaps. At, the be- at Easter, um, I decided that I needed to prune our our tree. We have a a cherry tree in the backyard. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to bring some cherry tree branches and put them all around church for Easter Sunday? (laughs) And where's Liana? Liana remembers it, because she was helping me figure figure out where to put everything. And, um, but it left a gap in my tree that my wife was like, what did you do to my tree? (laughs) Um, And I've been watching that grow in and grow in and grow in, and it takes, a long time sometimes for the gaps to be filled but what I believe that God is saying to us is stop looking at the gaps and start recognizing the places that I'm allowing it to grow into and what is our responsibility to be part of the growing into that gap so I know we've I know that all of our communities look different but I believe this morning God wants to stir something in us for what it looks like to grow into the gaps to be the people who occupy that space to be the people who fill in that space and if if you're feeling that gap this morning i'm praying with you this morning i'm praying with you believing with you as we recognize the beauty that god is bringing in the midst of the gaps
2: really good really good buddy that's great and uh pastor john doesn't know what i'm going to preach on this morning um but god does and so um, i'm going to know that you're going to see a natural fit into what he just said, into what God's Word is going to bring. And I'm going to bring that in just a second, but I, but I would be remiss if before we hopped into the Word today, i didn't just give a great shout out to everyone. We had an amazing inaugural 5K, TKC 5K uh, Chrome Run yesterday. We had, uh, we had like 100 runners yesterday. We, so thank you to all of our TKCTC. TKC team, Stephanie and Melissa and Kara and Pastor Rick, can you guys give them a hand? Everybody who served, everybody who ran. I know some of you runners are home today and be like, I can't move, Pastor, I'm sorry. I I, I planned on coming to church, I can't move. It was so funny. So many people said yesterday, oh, can we do this again? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do it again. And some people were like, can we do it every month? And I'm like... No, no, no. But we will do it again. It was fantastic. What a great community day yesterday. And if you didn't get a chance to be out there, look, one one of the beautiful things that happened yesterday is even if people didn't run, they just came out to be a part of it. And there was so much life. It just was amazing. We saw nine people make decisions for Jesus just while they were eating, which is really amazing, which is what it's all about for us. Uh, And I said in my post yesterday, and I just want to reiterate it today, just so that we see the truth. You know, we always talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yesterday, people were the feet, literal feet of Jesus. Because using their feet, they help us feed people. You used your feet yesterday. Kevin Otz, you won it, you crushed it. Kevin over here ran like 18, like there was like a cheetah and Kevin running for the end of (laughs) it. I literally, I, I like started the race, right? And the start line was far, further down the road. And so we packed up, Karen and I packed up, we, we, we moved back. I literally got back to the finish line and Kevin was crossing it. I was like, Elsa, I drove, I drove from the start line to the finish line. It's crazy, it was crazy, it was, just crazy. It was crazy, crazy. But well, I just wanted to say thank you. Amazing, we raised uh, thousands of dollars for, for TKC, which is just, to be honest, awesome. But it is, you know, when, when you're dealing with budgets that are in hundreds of thousands of dollars... Uh, the, those every little bit matters. And I said yesterday, and it's true. We all can't do everything, but we all can do something. And that's what today is we're going to talk about. We, we we sang about his kingdom is simple. Uh, and we're going to talk about that kingdom today. So are you guys ready for the word? Yeah. Can you open with me to the book of Genesis? Since you have your Bible, open with me to the book of Genesis chapter two. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And if you need a title for today, it's the power of partnership. The power of partnership, because over the next couple of weeks, I just want to talk a little bit about partnership. Because the kingdom of God is founded, it's designed on this truth of partnership. There's power in partnership, isn't there? There's power in it. There's power in partnership. I'm going to see if a church is awake yet. There's power in partnership, isn't there? All you married people be like, amen, amen. All you husbands better be shouting, amen. Yeah. amen. Power of is Ecclesiastes 4 9. Two are better than one. Why? There's greater return for the work. That's right. Matthew 18, 19 says where two touch anything in agreement, they partner together. Come on. The father jumps in. Yeah. Verse 20 says where two actually get together in his name, Jesus shows up. There is power in partnership. This is not a lone ranger. Christianity is not a lone ranger venture. It's not me and God and that's good. It's, there's a partnership involved in the kingdom of God. Here at Connect, we don't have, part, uh, we don't have membership. We, our desire is to have a culture of partnership. Amen. A culture of partnership. Because, let's be honest, members belong to something. Like, like, like when you're a member, you, belong, you get a membership to the zoo, or you get a membership to the gym that you occasionally use once in a while, right? You get a, a membership to a club somewhere, and it's great because it's there when you want to use it, when you feel like it's, you're ready to be a part of it. But to be honest, you're not really, you don't feel any burden for its success, any burden for it to actually succeed or move forward. Matter of fact, I think when we think about membership that way, it's kind of like an app on our phone. Like, we, we, it's there when we want to use it, and the only time we're really invested is when it's not really working for us. Then we're like, can't believe this app isn't working. Somebody should do something. Somebody should do something. Right. Somebody, else. Somebody should do something. <laughs> but the kingdom is about partnership. Right. Because partners invest in things. That's why the Bible tells us that marriage is a partnership. The community of faith is a partnership. Church is a partnership. Our relationship with God is a partnership. It's actually known as a covenant. You are in covenant with God. A covenant is a fancy word for a relational partnership contract. Now don't get me wrong, it is not 50-50, come on. It's not like you do have to work, God does have to work. He did all the work of salvation. You partner with Him in faith to receive that salvation, and then you partner with Him working out that salvation in the world. We don't work for it. Right. We work since we've got it. Right. We used to even have a class here called Partnership, and we were talking about it a little bit ago, but we realized this isn't, really, it's not, this isn't a class issue. This needs to be a community issue. This needs to be at the heart of who we are as a people. I think the truth, is where, where, <clears throat> the truth is where church in our modern world really becomes murky. This is where this, in this concept, is really where church in our modern world becomes murky for so many of us, right? It, it's what, what, what do we expect from church? What do we expect it to be? What can we expect from it? What is expected for, for, from us in the midst of it all? And because we live in a culture, or maybe have grown up in a church culture, that actually kind of describes or defines what church community is as only by that which goes on on a Sunday. Like if you ask people, like if someone asks you, you, do you go to church, what are they asking you? Do you show up and sit in a seat or a pew or do you go to mass if you're from the northeast, right? For a certain period of time on a Sunday. They've defined it by what it goes on on a Sunday. Come on. This is where and in this, in this culture that it, when it's going on on a Sunday, it's what, what preacher and people do. There's a preacher, and then there's people. There's clergy, and then there's laity. This is the setting in which church happens in. But it's created a distortion in the reality of God's intention for us as a community. It's distorted it. In church, we often talk about family, but here's the issue. As many people as there are in here, all of us have different views and values of what family really is. We talk about living life together as a community, but that usually is relegated to the 80-minute time limit on a Sunday morning. Many of us have experienced serving at church, but never really have been explained how and why serving at church is actually living life in community at church. And because we're living right now in this kind of experiential church world, where In our modern world, everything is about what we experience at church. It's a church experience. We've heard so many people talk about the church experience. It's about church experience. So many uh, um, uh, uh, pastoral seminars today are about how do you create a good church experience. And because we grow up in that concept that church should be experienced and that it is based off of my experiences, what I like the way that I like it, that church becomes all about me, my experience in church. But in the midst of it all, all of that which holds some semblance of truth, we miss out on what being the church actually is created to be. How beautiful it is to actually be the church that God created the church to be. Just how magnificent it is to live in community. And really allow God to define what that community looks like. So when God says church, we don't redefine it based on our experiential Sunday morning concept of church. Because here's the truth. Can I be really honest? We have, we, 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 we in ourselves, we've settled for one of those knockoff designer bags that you kind of buy at a flea market. You know, come on church, we are settling for a Fuji. When God has designed a Gucci for you. Yeah, but I got a bag. It looks similar. It looks good. No, it doesn't. The quality ain't the same. It's going to fall apart on you. Come on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No. There is a Gucci church. And I'm not talking about, you know what I'm saying. Don't, yeah. Someone is going to get a clip of that and say, Pastor C, preaching prosperity, Gucci church. I just don't want to be a Fucci church. Because God's designed for his people all happens within the power of partnership. We're going to start from the beginning because in the beginning the Old Testament is a shadow. The reality is found in Jesus. But what we're going to see is that God's concept of community hasn't changed over time. It was as it was in the beginning so it will be in the end. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, then the Lord took the man and put him Sorry, my my computer just freaked out for a second. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good. Underline that. That should have just freaked you out. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so God brings all the animals to, 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 to Adam, and he names them, and he talks to them, and all these beautiful things. It, but verse 20 says this But for Adam, there was not a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Man and woman partnership. God did something and brought about partnership. I love this concept. I think what's so amazing, and we'll miss it if we don't stop for a moment to recognize this, is that when God created community, he invested into the community. He put everything that community would need to have inside of that community, and then he stepped into that community in order to have relationship with the community he just blessed. He walked, it wasn't just for Adam and Eve. The Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve. Right? And then he put Adam in the garden so that they could live this thing out together. Which is amazing. Until you read the next verse, which should have freaked us all out. Then God said, Adam and God are together. And the Bible says, God said, this is not good. Do you realize this is the first time in all of created order? That God called something he made not good? Because up until this point, it was day and night. That's good. Creation, that's good. Birds and animals, that's good. Hey, trees and plants, that's good. That's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Then he looks at just God and man, one person and God, and said, this is not good. They need partnership. It can't just be a partnership vertically. It's gotta be a partnership horizontally because I have a bigger world for people than just a horizontal experience so that they could come live with me in heaven. Come on, did you get this from Adam? Adam was anointed. Adam was perfected, he was called He was empowered to be with the power of God But God still said, no, that's not how I see community That's not the way I want my church to be I'm not leaving it up to just one anointed man, hallelujah I'm not leaving it up to just one gifted preacher Or one just gifted singer I'm not leaving it up to a gifted worship leader It's not about the anointing on one It's about the partnership of the many This is where we have screwed up church. We, including me. Somebody say amen. So he makes a helper for them. He makes a partner so that they can do something together. By the way, the Bible says they start to do things together immediately. That means you don't have to, well, I know, Pastor, when I get older, when I get more mature, when I understand the word more. No, 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 no. God has something for you the moment he created you. The moment you get born again, here we go. Let's do it. He had something for them to do together. What was it? Genesis 1, Be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Utilize my dominion. Doesn't it sound what Jesus said to you and I go on all the earth and make disciples? The mandate has not changed. We still need partnership with God and with one another. This is how God sees his church. This is how God sees and defines community. And the truth is, what we see here in this text is a picture of Jesus and his church. Now, you can write this down. Because just like God put the first Adam to sleep and his bride Eve came out of Adam to be his partner and his helper, so God put the second Adam, Jesus, into the sleep of death so that out of his womb, out of his womb, out of his womb could come his bride, the church who could be his helper, his empowerer, in his community that he created. This is a picture of what you and I are meant to be. God did it from the beginning. He said, I want to show you, church. It's not just me and you and hanging out. It is me and you and the helper called Sue. Come on, somebody. The difference in our modern world between believers and disciples, so much collides here. Because believers are looking to belong to a community. But disciples understand they have been designed to partner with God in His community. Come on, the truth is, in our generation, everybody, everyone is looking to belong. Somewhere in all of our hearts, the cry of all of our hearts, no matter how accepted we think we are, is I just want a place to belong. I just want a place to belong. Teens are looking for the, teenagers are looking for the right group to belong to. Parents are looking for people with our same situation, right? Where, where parents are looking for people who have kids. Parents other the parents. Midlifers are looking to belong again. It's how we feel. The trap of belonging is that it's based on an emotional or experiential connection. Man, they make me feel so good. They just made me feel welcome. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I just like the experience they gave me. Now, that's all good in the beginning. But here's the trap. When, if and when that emotional or experiential connection that made us feel approved, that made us feel accepted, is ever challenged or changed, we lose faith in the community of belonging. And we start to look for somewhere else to belong again, because our highest value is belonging. Yeah. See, but this is the issue. Very good. Because our heart, our emotions, our brokenness doesn't understand the power of God-ordained partnerships in community. Our heart doesn't understand God's heart. Here's the truth. Our heart doesn't understand God's heart. It's why we need the word. Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, my heart is deceitful above all things. How can I understand it? I can't. The word does. The word understands it. That's what Eve did when the enemy made her believe she didn't belong any longer. Or that she was inferior to be a part of the community that God had already called her to belong to. In Genesis 3, verse 4, right? The original lie. Hey, Eve, the experience you're having isn't good enough. You're not good enough to belong to the community that you're in. You need, Eve, something else so that you can belong. It's the lie. She already belonged. She belonged because God had made her, God created her, God crafted her, and God called her, and God placed her just like he did with you and I. When we come to Jesus and we are in Christ, he has made us, called us, crafted us, and designed us and placed us in the community that God has for you and I. Just like her, we are there too. But the enemy made her believe she needed to belong when all she needed to do was learn how to live rightly in God's community. She didn't allow the word of God to guide her heart. And the community that was around her, Adam, did not engage when he saw her slipping away. Not my problem. Eve's choice. I mean, what's that have to do with me? I mean, that's on her. When the community God had placed around her did not engage with her lack, her hurt, her disillusionment, her brokenness. The fall, disaster, eternal ramifications. I think, church, the issue is throughout the years, we've allowed believers to relationally define community as a place rather than a people, a locality rather than a community. I belong to such and such a church. And our connection comes from our association with that church. Not with the people. Not with the pe- We could go, I know they go to our church. No, no, no. We go to church together. That's the difference. Right. Oh, I know Sally. She goes to our church. No, no, no. We go to church together. It such sounds so semantical, but it's not at the heart of the issue. There is this thing where our power and our connection comes from, to the, from the church, not the people. But here's the trap. When our experience or our emotional connection to that place changes, and so our sense of belonging changes, we're out. And do you know who gets hurt? Not the place. The people. The gaps John was talking about? People. People. Yesterday I had to explain to somebody why they couldn't get married in our church yet because we don't have someone to oversee that. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how sad that is? It's a gap. And I know people are saying, but people should be able to get married in the church that they go to. They should. When Adam did not engage with the lack, there was disaster. But God, my friends, has always defined his community as a people rather than a place. In Genesis chapter 12, When God speaks to Abraham, he says, look, I'm going to bring you to a location, but I'm going to give you a people. He told Abraham he was going to give him a people. Then they would come together in a place. But the blessing would work through the people, not the blessing would work through the place. In American Christianity, we're we're waiting for the place to do the blessing. When God has already ordained the people to do the blessing, not the place. The place is the storehouse. The blessing is the people. This is where we've got it confused. In modern Christianity, our focus is on the place. We glorify the place. We serve the place. We build the place. We define community as the place we all go to. And it is part of community. But it is always a people that precede the place. In God's way of thinking, in community, people are prevalent. Are, are precede the place. Do you remember Jesus rolls up in John chapter four, woman at the well? Do you remember this story? She's a woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. Jesus is talking to her about lots of things. She says, "This I perceive. You're a prophet. We worship on that mountain. You worship on this mountain. Tell me which one is right." The issue on both sides the, was that they had allowed the place that they worshipped to mess up their view on people. They lived trying to make the place right. And because they thought that they were worshiping in the right place, they were okay with disunity. They were okay with racism. They were okay with segregation. They were okay with lack of compassion for other people. They were okay for brokenness in community. Because after all, they belong to the right place. But God is not interested in the right place. He's looking for the right people. We've got to, church. We have to transition this inside of us. I know for some of us right now, this is like, oh my gosh, I know. But no, it's got, we have to transition it. Whether you call service Mass, come on, or church, or this is the community of faith, or whatever, the, whatever you call this place, we have to transition to understanding that disciples understand we have been designed to partner with God in His community. Adam and Eve were placed in a community. It wasn't painless. It cost Adam a rib. It's going to be, there's going to be issues. You're going to be wounded. But that's why we have to trust that God will close up the wound. But God's community was designed and commissioned to live out a purpose. It's where we get back to Genesis 1:28, To be fruitful and multiply. Yes, they had a place. But the mandate was on the people, not the place. God did not say to the garden, hey, garden, go be fruitful and multiply. Hey, garden, go out there and make sure that you use dominion over the world. He said to Adam and Eve, to his community, here's the concept. Get out of here. Go be fruit. Take what you've learned in the garden. Take what you've learned in the garden. Take what you've received in the garden, the place I've given you, and then take that out and use it. The truth is, my friends, this is the power found in godly community. Here's the power. Sometimes we're Adam, the person in need of a helper. And sometimes we are Eve, the one empowered to help. But we always exist within the framework of both of God's provision for us and God's purpose with us. What we we have to see... Is that when God only had one anointed, one empowered person to do the work, God himself called it not good. It was not a blessed and whole community until both the husband and the wife, the man and the woman, the helper and the one who needed help worked together. It was not called a good community until all three parts functioned in unity together. The, 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 The husband, the bride, and God. It is the, that's why Ecclesiastes 4.11 tells me, uh, 4.12 tells me that a three-stranded cord is not quickly broken. Why? Because it's me. It's the bride. It's God intertwined together. That's when we won't be broken. It's not because I call Jesus God. It's when we actually understand how he wants to function in this world. Yes, on the other side of the veil, nothing matters. We'll all be community because here he will have made everything right. But on this side of the veil, partnership does matter. What we do with one another does matter. Whether we engage when Eve starts to wander or not does matter. Not only to Eve, but to generations that come from us and to us. It matters. We're intertwined. This is what we need in modern American Christianity. The working together with God. Partnering with Him. Partnering with each other. Partnering with our gift and our calling that He has placed inside of us for His community. Did you see what the Bible says? Did you notice that God brought animals to Adam? And Adam named them all, which is kind of really cool. He's he's hanging out, he's talking to him, he's A.E., he's naming them. But they were not designed to live out his purpose. That means that there are going to be things that we gather to ourselves, things that we even give framework to and names to, especially in this post-pandemic world that Pastor John was just talking about. That we confuse as our community, but who has no power to produce what God calls good. It's not that those communities are not good by nature, but they cannot produce what God has called kingdom community to produce. What God calls good. Come on, animals have no means to be fruitful and multiply with us, do they? They have no voice or spirit to be able to to bring dominion into the world. They have no means to subjugate the world and bring it into the kingdom. They can give us companionship. Sometimes they can fill our belly with food. They can be used for our enjoyment. But they cannot fulfill the biblical mandate for community. My puppy Harlow is awesome. She can make me feel loved. She can make me feel fuzzy inside. She can make me feel special. But Harlow can never be my helper. She is not my community. The reality is that this means that we have some things that we have gathered to us that have no ability to be fruitful and multiply. Some things that we have given framework to, even our voice to, that have no ability to produce what the kingdom of God calls good in our communities. Don't get me wrong, we've identified our pack. In our post pandemic world, we now understand our pack. We've got our pack, but we don't have community. We've got our herd, but we don't have our helper. It lacks the power to produce God's community. That's why for so many, Christianity is frustrating and for some of us even disappointing because we're surrounding ourselves with things that easily have come to us but that have no potential to produce. So the experience and the emotion of belonging to such a thing wears off and we look for something else. The problem isn't in the gathering. God gathered the animals. It is in disciples confusing the gathering for a community. God gathered the animals, but the community was the people. God gathered people in this church. You are gathered here because of Him. But we choose to be community or not. But we choose to, let me, let me, but we choose to be community or not. Do you know what animals do when when the weather starts to change? They flee. Do you know what shepherds do when the wolf comes into the sheep pen? They fight. The power of community, my friends, is found in partnership. It's why God uses this illustration of marriage. To show us how his people are meant to actually live and and work together. It's why he starts here with Adam and with Eve. I'm, 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 I spoke this week in Forge, our men's discipleship groups. By the way, if you're a guy in here and you're, and you're not, or online and you're not in Forge, can I just really encourage you? Hop in. You do even like we're in the middle of Ephesians. So what? Hop in. You'll learn. It's great. You don't have to be mature. This isn't about being mature. It's about helping us grow into maturity. Yes. But I was teaching out of Ephesians 5, which is in connection to what this verse is. And the Bible says in verse 29 For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Like we use that every time in a marriage ceremony, every time. It's awesome, right? But what does Paul say? I'm not talking about marriage, I'm actually talking about the church. This is the great mystery. The same concept of what happens when we get married, the two become one, is what God sees when we come to Jesus and he brings you into a church community. He sees the two become one flesh. That's why a disciple, when we have to transition discipleship, when we're a disciple, we have to understand that disciples nourish and cherish the community of Christ. We have to realize it's, the, it's not a them, it's an us. Right? Doesn't the Bible say right there that he says um, they don't hate their own flesh? What he's saying is there's no more them anymore. It's me. Like when you're going through it, it's not you going through it, it's me going through it with you. It's not a them, well, they have to do this, or if it was up to them, or if they would change, or if they would just do something. If they would just, them, those, them, whoever those or them are for us, it's no longer that. When it comes to the body of Jesus Christ, it's in us. Since Eve was taken out of Adam and the church was taken out of Jesus, it's in us. Therefore, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to elevate. We are called to nurture We are called to love them as we already do love ourselves. Do you know what's interesting to me? Every time I read the Gospels and I see somebody who is lame or blind or sick or deaf, I don't see them going, you know what? I'm good. I'm good with the lack. I'm good with the brokenness. It's all right. I'm good. Do you know what they do? They say, no, no, there's something broken in me. There's something missing in me. There's something that God wants to do that's not being done yet. So do you know what they all do? They all go to Jesus. That's the same concept of you and I. It's not, I always, I don't always have to be the blind one. But when someone is blind around me, it's me. When someone is broken around me, it's me. When they mourn, we mourn. When they rejoice, we rejoice. Carrying each other's burdens. This is the picture of the kingdom of God. It's, it's why we should be like the Roman centurion in Matthew 8. Who comes to Jesus when his servant is sick. He's not even sick. He just said, you know what? Something in my house is sick. Something that's going to affect the future is sick. Something that's going to undermine what God wants to do is sick. And so I'm going to go to Jesus because it's in us. It's why Mordecai rolls up to Esther and says, Esther, do you think you're the one just because you live in the palace that when they kill all the Jewish people, you're going to be spared? You've got to understand, you're one of us. Somewhere along the way in church, We we, we have identified the us socioeconomically. We have identified the us based on college degree that you've got. We have recognized the us based on ethnicity. No, no, no. We need to recognize the us based on Christianity. The us is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Bible tells us that disciples actively and intentionally nourish and cherish the community. It's part of God's plan. It's part of how we worship him. The Greek word there for nourish, by the way, actually means to nourish up to maturity. Not just to feed, but to feed with a purpose. How can I help? How do I understand that there are some malnourished folks in here? There are some spiritually malnourished people there are some things that are malnourished in the kingdom, in the community that I'm in. How can I bring it, not just feed it, how do I bring it up to maturity? It's dealing with inside things, inside the body of God. It's what we saw last week when we had the birthday party. We, had the, we opened up the storehouse uh, down uh, in the first building. And people came in. And man, it was amazing. I love to watch it. Because pe- we had so many testimonies. Because people had given before for us to have things for people now who needed them. People were like, man, I had this in my Amazon cart all week. Can't even believe it. This is awesome. I've been praying for this. Didn't think I could afford it. Man, I furnished my whole apartment. This is amazing. I got something for my mom. Man, my grandmother needed this. I got, it was awesome. How many of you got blessed last week? But that's nur- because someone nourished. There was a nourishing that came before the hunger. When it comes to proper nutrition, We don't simply start with what we like, and then it ends there. We start with a picture of health. What does health look like? I was a pre-med major in college, and so one of my favorite classes was nutrition. I, I have not obviously lived up to that class, but it was one of my favorite classes. And they taught you to look at nutrition holistically, saying, what is the picture of health? That's where you start. How do we start? How do we define health? It can only be defined by the Word of God, the ways of God, and the will of God. The Word of God, the ways of God, and the will of God. These are the things that set the boundaries for our healthy relationships inside the house and out of the house. Are we willing to address and nourish them when they're not there? How are we nourishing them? I love, and you've heard me preach about this, I love Mark chapter 2, where... The, 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 the friends of the lame man, they're like, come to the house where Jesus says, can't get in. You know what they didn't do? All right, sorry. Dude, we tried. I mean, I dropped you a text. I tried to reach out. Brothers ripped off the roof of the house to get them to Jesus. There's got to be a passion inside of us. That what's happening to other people in this place is happening to us. And we will not stop until we rip off the roof. That means we're going to have to change some time priorities. We're going to have to change some resource priorities. We're going to have to change the way that we see people. We're going to have to do some heart surgery in ourselves because we have some prejudice and we have some issues. But the community, my friends, as we get ready to close, is not just about blessing internally. It's about living out our purpose externally. That next Greek word, to cherish, actually means to keep warm. It means to cover, to clothe. Like when my wife Danielle is asleep on the couch, I put a blanket on her so she's not cold. When we're walking out on a windy day, I give her my jacket. Why? Because... So she's not cold. It comes from this realization that she is vulnerable without my covering. She is vulnerable without the covering. The church is vulnerable without your covering. The church is vulnerable without your covering. Here's where I have always, we've been going wrong in the church. We believe it's the pastor's covering. No, the pastor's covering is part of the covering. But God says that it is disciples' job to keep the other community members warm. There is a covering that needs to happen. And we are absolutely vulnerable without the covering. When Adam did not cover Eve, when she started to wander, death followed. And then that changes the experience of what I belong to. It's just not the same anymore. They're not here anymore. My friends aren't here anymore. I know. You didn't cover them. I know. Man, it's just people leaving. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. You know why? Because we made it about believing and belonging. And then experience changed. Because Eve, Eve ate the apple. Do you know why she ate the apple? She's human. We're going to eat apples. Look at the person next to you and say, I know you're going to eat an apple. Do it. Look at them now and say, you're going to eat an apple. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to eat an apple. I know you are. And not in a good, healthy, nutrition way. Not an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Rather, an apple eating keeps the devil close. Right? No. Our communities are vulnerable when we don't work within the power of partnership. Have you asked yourself, can we ask ourselves the question, what did God create me to be in order to help be a covering and cherish my community? Yes, TKC, we do it. Yesterday was fantastic. Yes, we as a people, we give food and money and resources to people in need in our community. But we have generations that need to be covered. We have people who are lonely who need to be covered. We have addictions that need to be covered. We have marriages that need to be covered. We have the rich who think they don't need anything and the shame-filled who think they've already gone too far who need to be covered. Disciples. It's us to nourish and cover. That's what community is. You want to know what church is? I'm explaining it. Church is not three songs, a sermon, an offering, and an amen. That is a moment. That is a locality, not a community. What I'm talking about today, as hard as it is for me and for you, is community. And it's going to take change. Truly change. You know, there are two Bible examples of covering one good and one bad. Genesis 9 says that Ham, the son of Noah, walked in on Noah, his dad, while he was drunk and passed out naked. Do you know what Ham doesn't do? He doesn't cover him. Matter of fact, he is more interested in exposing the shame, making shame the issue. It's his brothers that have to walk him backwards, carrying a sheet to cover him. Do you know what happens to Ham? He's cursed for this one moment. For this one moment, Ham, I told you to cover. I'm not talking about covering up sin. I'm talking about seeing somebody that may be down and out, maybe in brokenness, maybe actually going through some things that you could actually elevate their shame, but rather covering them, bringing about a covering. Because in Ruth chapter 3, there's this amazing moment where this widow named, uh, named Ruth, she has no future. She's got no hope. She is down and out. She is crushed. She is in a foreign country. She rolls up into this country. She doesn't know what to do. She goes to a grain field owned by somebody named Boaz. And she actually meets him when he's actually blessing the people in community. And that night she rolls up. And the Bible says Boaz took his garment and covered her It said what is mine is yours because I realize I am your kinsman redeemer I am the guardian of your future I'm here to cover you I don't care where you've come from don't care what happened to you in the past don't care what you've got or don't got you are my rede- you are my relative you are mine to redeem and I'm gonna cover you yeah. do you know what ends up happening Those two come into the line of Jesus. Jesus comes from that line. I wonder what part of the covering I'd want to have. Do I want Ham's reward or Boaz's reward? Do I I want to curse or do I want to be a part of what Jesus is? These are real, real. The reason they're in the Bible is because they are a shadow so that you and I understand the reality. These are not good bedtime stories. They are God speaking his truth through time and space so that time and time again, we can begin to renew our mind and have our mind renewed by what God says is his community. Not what religion made church to be. I promise you the devil is excited that we have made community a locality and not a community. I promise you that the devil is excited that Christianity is about an 80 minute moment on a Sunday morning where we sing a few songs and we occasionally give glory to God. I promise you he ain't worried about that. But I promise you, he is petrified, shaking in his bu- boots, that the bride of Christ will rise up and realize she was born, ripped out of the side of her husband, so that she could be the helper that God had called her to be in the world. The truth is, when the first Adam and his bride belonged in the garden, but didn't live out community, death, destruction, and lack came. But when the second Adam, and his bride realize they already belong and choose to live out community, there's victory. There's healing. There's blessing. There's breakthrough. There's signs. There's wonders. There's miracles. There's life and life more abundantly because it is not dependent on one gifted, anointed segment of a community. It is the community, the Adams and the Eves, the helper and the one who needs help, all depending on the only one who can make a difference, who is Jesus, who understood that he put us in this place so that we could cover the Ruths, the Noahs, the woman at the well, the discarded, the disliked, the unloved, Those who think they have no issue, I have no need. Jesus said it's harder for the rich to get into heaven than for a cow to pass through the eye of a needle. Oh, I think our area, we have a lot of need. So Boaz took off his garment. He took something away from himself. Ruth, I've got you. Amen. Ruth, don't worry. It's going to cost me some time. People are going to talk. Because when you go home, they're going to think you're doing the walk of shame. Come on, somebody. But they don't know what I did. They don't know what God's up to. They're going to chatter. They're going to talk. They're going to, they're going to gossip. But I know what God is doing, and I know what God did. And I know the moment I covered you, something was locked in you. And when you came to me, you had no hope. Now you are leaving full of hope. See, come on. Church, look at each other. We can put the best face on when we come to church for the 80 minutes. But we've got roofs and Noah's. We've got Eve's and Adam's in this place who just need a covering. I got to be honest, I ain't big enough to cover you all. And I ain't going to try. Because every time a preacher tries to be someone's Messiah, they pay the Messiah's price. And every time we expect the preacher to be our Messiah, we are asking them to pay the Messiah's price. There's only one Messiah. I ain't it. But I want him to be the king of this community. Your choice. As for me and my family, I'm in. I've given my blood, my sweat, my tears, my last dollar at times. I don't care. I've given hours of sleep and I'll do it again. I almost lost my marriage. I also lost, I almost lost my son. But my friends, here's the reality. When you do it the way that God has called you to do it because I had to pay the Messiah. I was asked, I was trying to pay the Messiah. I ain't gonna do that. I ain't going to ask you to do that. But I am going to ask you to take your garment off. Don't settle for a Fuji. We don't need a class. We need a community. So I'm going to finish with what I started with last week. And then what? You heard it. We heard it, and then what? God made Adam and Eve, and then what? Let's pray. <clears throat> the power is in partnership, but maybe the first partnership you need to establish in your life is a partnership with Jesus. Jesus. Adam was not alive until God breathed his breath inside of him. He was dirt. He was a vessel just like we are. But the moment God breathed life into him, he became alive. That's what happens when we give our life to Jesus. We are an empty vessel formed by his hand. But it is not until he blows his ruach, his spirit of God inside of us that we become alive. Maybe you've never asked for that in your life. Maybe you thought church was enough just coming and being here. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of that is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you are saying, God, I want to partner with you in salvation. I know you did the work. I'm just going to receive it today. It's as easy as simply asking Jesus into your life. And we're all going to pray this, but I'm going to ask if you're here today and you want to partner with Jesus in that way to pray this prayer with me. But when we're done, I'm going to ask something of those who've already prayed that prayer. So if you're here today and you can just say, man, I want to start this partnership off with giving my life to Jesus, allowing him to blow his spirit inside of me so that I could be alive. And live with Him. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my whole life all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be. I willingly give it to you. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin, cleanse me of everything I've done wrong, fill me with your Spirit. Make me your child. And from this day forward, and forevermore, I choose to live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm just going to pray for somebody really quick. I'm going to pray for church. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Because many of us have already prayed that prayer before in our lives. And even if you just prayed that today, you can pray this prayer with me. There needs to be a change in the way we care about community. There needs to be a desire inside of us. A burning desire to carry community the way God calls us to carry it. Because this is what I know. When I try to carry things that I'm not designed to carry... I get crushed by the load. But every time I trust God to beat a giant that's too big for me to carry on my own, he never fails. Every Goliath falls. That's what we're facing today. And you'll hear this message today and you'll be excited or you'll be challenged or you'll you'll, you'll feel your insides being stirred and Then tomorrow, man, the enemy is going to just say, yeah, but do you know what time that's going to cost you? Do do, do, do you know what's got to change? Do you know who you have to forgive in order to make that happen? Man, you've done this before. Do you remember? And you got burned in the past. And and, and do you remember how you've gotten bitten and and, and how people have hurt you and how how you've been wounded when you've tried to, to reach out? Yeah. Sheep bite. A rib's going to come out. You're going to be wounded, but God closes up. And I'm just going to ask you if today you are moved to say to God, I want to be part of that community, that stir something in me, God do something in me, God. I surrender to you today, God. I'm asking you to break all preconceived ideas. I'm asking you to shatter all of my strongholds. I'm asking you to help me take that next step. If you're here, would you just stand? I'm going to pray over you. you. Just stand. And look, don't feel any pressure to stand. But if you're saying, God, I'm here. God, I want to live in your community. God, I want to see you move with power and strength. Will you just stand with me right now? And I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray that God moves. I'm going to pray here that, that, that God does something supernatural in your lives to move in you Father, I thank you for those who are standing. I thank you for those who are standing physically, for those who are standing in their their bedrooms, in their living rooms. I thank you for those who are standing in their heart today, Lord God. I pray a spirit of breakthrough. I pray a passion for your kingdom and for your kids like never before. Father, I know that there are so many malnourished around the world. I know that there are so many supernaturally malnourished in 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 our nation. And we are believing, Lord God, for you to stir something inside of us. Help us to be like Boaz to cover Ruth. Help us to be like the the friends who carried their lame brother to the house and tore the roof off. Help us to be like the centurion Jesus who saw a sick servant and said, Jesus, I can't have that. I I don't want that for our house, God. I want to see you move. So, Daddy, here's our prayer. Do whatever you need to do in us and through us to see your community and your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name. You are not praying this to Kyle. You are not making this commitment to Connect Church. You are making this commitment to the king who is the king of Connect Church. And so when we say amen, I'm asking you not to make it a religious amen. That word amen means so be it. And the Bible says when two touch something, it's going to be done. So you are adding your agreement to the Father right now. So if you say amen, you mean it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and together we say amen, and amen, and amen, so be a God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Lord God, we love you. Can we all just stand really quickly? Can we all just stand really quickly? Thank you for letting me bring that word today. I know for myself and I'm sure for you as well many of us in here that church and our belief in church has been shaped through experience and background and family and culture. And don't think That just because we had a sermon, that that easily is going to surrender in us. Because that has been there a long time and it has deep roots. And so today, I want to encourage you this week, every day, to rise up and say, Today, Daddy, teach me more. Teach me more. Teach me, show me what your community looks like. Shatter the strongholds in my life. Help me to be what you created me to be. This isn't about getting people to serve at church. It's getting the church to be the church. Thank you for letting me share. We'll be talking about concepts like this for the next couple of weeks. I'm sure that's probably not a great excitement about coming back, but come back anyway. No, we don't want to build on the word. I want to build on the word. I want to build on the word. We can preach all we want. The blessing of God in the garden of Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. Look at all the prosperity God gave Adam and Eve. Look at all the blessing they had. They had seed inside each. I love the Bible says that, that every plant had seed inside of it so that it could multiply it could reproduce god yeah we can talk about the seed and the multiplication of god and the power of prosperity and the breakthrough that's already yes we can talk about all that but here's what's going to happen if we miss the community part all that fails all that fails so today as you go i'm going to ask you to be a part of community in your giving part of community in your offering, a part of being a part of this in your tithe, and realize you're right, there's a cost to it, there's a cost to it, I get it, there are some things that we may not be able to wear because someone else is going to need it, I get it, but I know this. Every time I respond to who God created me to be, he gets the glory, and that's all that matters. Someone said to me yesterday that we were, they were kidding with me after they ran the race because we gave some medals out to people in their age groups that had finished in, in, in the first, second, or third place. And, he, and the person said to me, where, where, Pastor, Pastor, where's my reward? Where's my, where's my medal? Where's my reward? Where's my medal? What was my answer? Heaven. You're right exactly right. Heaven. Heaven. Because you know where that bronze medal's gonna go? It's gonna hang on someone's wall for about three months, and then someone's gonna be cleaning a room somewhere, and then some, somebody's gonna, my wife's gonna start purging my stuff and saying, You don't need throwing it away, you hoarder, right? Stop, Kyle Piles throwing it in. But you know what? The enemy can never throw away is what I laid up in heaven. What I laid up in heaven. <laughs> Moth, nor rust, nor thief can steal. We think that way, everything changes. God bless you guys. Walk with God. If you're going to give today, I know there's, was there a slide up there? I I don't even know I was preaching. There's a slide up there. You can give, there's offering envelopes. You can drop it in the gold things on the way out. You can always give with that QR code. Church, let me pray over you and we're going to go. Father, in the name of Jesus. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you made us for community. Thank you that we don't have to carry this thing called life alone. Thank you, God that it's not just me and you, that we get to share this life together. Thank you for brothers and sisters. Thank you for men for, for Aaron and hers on the right and the left that lift up hands so that the victories can be won. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Jonathan and armor bearers who run into the battle when all they've got is a sword and nothing else, no one on the right and their left. Thank you for Nehemiahs who are willing to stand shoulder to shoulder and rebuild a city and a wall. Thank you, God. Thank you that everything we need, you've already placed inside of here. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Let your name be praised as we go from this place, from this locality, so that we can continue to be a community. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. I'll see you next week. Jordan Ford, shoulder to shoulder. It's really going to help you out.